1: Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex
0: Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. <laughs> oh boy, nine goals, nine goals against the Lightning. I mean, we won't mention that Vasi was uh, in COVID protocol, but nine goals. And they can say what they want, but most of their roster was in the lineup tonight. hmm. I mean, Stamkos was there. Hedman was there. Point was uh, there. Point was out there. Huh?
2: Point was there. Point was there. Kalorn, Palat. Uh, oh, I saw both of them. I, maybe I missed Ross uh... Colton.
0: Yeah. No, I, I didn't see Palat tonight, but Kalorn was definitely out there. Ross Colton was out there. Uh, Fat Pat was out there um I did not see uh uh the Russian defenseman Sergachev was out I'm pretty sure Sergachev was out there I mean
2: I know I was getting
0: you did not out out okay so they didn't have Sergachev, but nine goals nine goals and yeah
1: that's if you you want to complain
2: about not having the players available cry me a river build a bridge and get over it
1: yeah
0: I mean it, it well, it it happened. It didn't happen to the Panthers like that. That uh, Senators game we went to two weeks ago, right before the shutdown, like that was a team that was right about to, you know, start their COVID issues,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you could kind of see them really flatten that game. And you kind of saw the same thing from the Lightning tonight. And you're gonna see it throughout the league as these COVID issues happen. Uh, but you still got to put up the goals. You still gotta. You know, you still gotta take care of business and. Boy, did the Panthers take care of business tonight. That was And fun. last
2: night, too, which we can talk about that as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to be said about that game from an analytical perspective. And I don't even mean just, like, advanced stats. It's just, like, that's just one of those games that just got weird, like, halfway through, and you knew right then to just kind of throw out the rest of what happens except for, you know, enjoyment purposes, which of course it was very enjoyable and I had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it was the exact opposite of the Senator's game where you kind of just, okay, this happened. It definitely didn't make sense, but mm-hmm. whatever. You throw the tape away and you move on. And honestly, you kind of have to do the same thing with this one. Like yep you, you got to, you got to dunk on the lightning for an entire night and run up the score. I really wanted them to hit 10. The Me chance too. of we want 10 while on the PK and getting scoring chances <laughs> was just beautiful. Yeah. But, um, well done to but, all in attendance. Yeah. Well done to all in attendance. You clearly got under the skin of uh lightning Twitter, you know, who you are. Uh, so, but you got to just kind of throw it away. Like everyone, everyone got to, you know, get, pick up some points, have some fun, but you got to throw it away. This is not, that's not the effort you're going to get on the lightning. If you're walking out, if you're walking home, you know, to your car from the arena or just turning off your TV or changing the channel to, you know, college football, bowl games saying, yeah, that's how it's going to be when we meet the lightning in the playoffs. like, give your head a shake, stop drinking for the rest of the night. Like, no, it's not going to be that way. If the Panthers meet the lightning in the playoffs, it's going to be a grind out brawl of a seven game series. Mm-hmm. This game meant nothing.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, And,
0: and, you know, we, we say this
2: and we say it after the embarrassing losses too, like the regular season, it's an 82 game grind. And ultimately, you know, as long as you do kind of good, it doesn't really matter how good you did because at the end of the regular season, the slate is wiped clean. And, you know, I'd rather the Panthers played against somebody like the Bruins, even though the Bruins are a scary team as well than the Lightning or, you know, even the Leafs, because eventually they got to win a first-round series, right? And if we were the yeah. team that lost to them in the first round for the first time in, what was it, like, 25 years? I have no idea. But that would be embarrassing.
0: Yeah, we got the, the immovable force versus uh, immovable ob- – immo- what's, what's the phrase? immovable It's force the unstoppable to- force against the immovable object. Yeah, unstoppable force. Immo- we got that series, the first uh, Panthers – islander series where neither team would want a playoff series it's like 96 and the islanders got the better end of that one if the panthers end up in another one of those series against the uh against the leafs i'll be devastated if we go 0 and two in those but that's you know that's a long way away
2: yeah so let's talk about last night's game as well obviously big come from behind win with uh, Bobrovsky letting in a, a terrible goal to get things started but the rest of the way he did not look like the four goal that we saw in the latter part of November and the middle of, up until the middle of December he was solid and surprisingly it was Igor Shesterkin who led into softy that kind of turned the game he, he the third goal by Verhage. I mean, it's a nice shot. I don't want to take anything away from Verhage, but that's a that's a save that Igor's got to make. And really, from there, the Panthers were able to pile on the fourth goal because the Rangers were pushing for the equalizer. Duclair with a great shot on him. you know that that line with Huberdeau and Bennett, who we can talk about how he didn't play. Uh, I'm sure it's come out why since uh, we've started talking. But um, those three made a really nice play there. And that was what I really think changed between that game and the games that were going on before. I mean, besides obviously having most of the team back from COVID protocol, because that was something that certainly diminished their performance against the Kings. But um, getting bad breaks, I think, is really the reason why they were struggling in a game like uh, the st louis game that went to overtime i guess but you, you get the idea colorado yeah, they, they dominated
0: st louis in both of those games in terms yeah. of actual performance on the ice and yes they got three out of four points but that that was two games that went to overtime that should have been comfortable regulation wins for the panthers and they just couldn't catch a break
2: yeah and i'm sorry i just got distracted for a second because i've made an attempt to block uh unnamed lightning twitter account on every twitter account that i have but somebody posted a picture of one of their tweets in the group chat and it's sort of like um what's that movie with sandra bullock from netflix
0: uh they have to keep their eyes closed or whatever yeah yeah
2: yeah. that that's how i feel right now like i've just perished because i i had to see that
1: Ugh.
0: that tweet is so dumb though like we get like and i know i know you don't want to give this guy any air time but like Dude, you, you took a huge L tonight, like, the crying, you know, the, the angry crying, you know, face over whatever meme like, that's you tonight, just go shut the fuck up and like, shut down Twitter tonight and go away like, just take your L.
2: I mean, it is gratifying. Just in the one sense that like, this is proof of tears. Like this is you mad. We have yeah. we have the evidence.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like oh yeah i got to you guys it's like no we're all laughing no, at you everybody we is we, laughing we with won you. nine
2: to three you are the mad online person yeah and that's uh that's all there is on that but a- a- any other thoughts from the rangers game stuff that you saw that they might have switched up a little bit in the break
0: i mean honestly i i don't want to take away too much away from the, the rangers game even to, uh, either game Cause like you saw it around the NHL, like these scores are wonky in terms of like, you got teams with COVID issues and you got to remember, this wasn't like a, a typical break where everyone's like skating and whatnot. This was like, no, we're shutting down. Like you can't go skate on your own. Everyone stay at home, do nothing to try and get rid of this COVID outbreak going on through the roster. So like you guys had, you had everyone coming in on, you know, not their fresh legs, but legs that haven't been skating. And you know, anyone who plays sports knows like even when you do it like at a casual level, you haven't played in a while. You go play pickup basketball and everything is off like you're shot. Like if you're a decent three point shooter, everything's an inch and a half to the left. And it's all just you know, you're know, you out of your routine. And that's exactly what's going on around the NHL. So the fact that the Panthers were able to put on a back to back night two solid performances, they were clearly the better team last night against the Rangers um, and they were you know pretty equal in terms of expected goals tonight but we'll talk about that a little later like I'm just happy that you saw a team that came back from the break more cohesive than you're seeing around the NHL where you know they won a game 4 three that they were the better team and then they got, they got a lopsided win tonight but you know you're seeing good teams take huge Ls right now so you know, really good stuff from the Panthers tonight and mm-hmm. last night mm-hmm and coming back oh, from I got, COVID. Well, sorry, not, not not to bogart the whole fucking podcast but i got i gotta i gotta get it in there i want all the smoke all <laughs> of the smoke from you <laughs> clowns who are trying to blame ec for the panarin goal yesterday all of the <laughs> smoke you guys are idiots all <laughs> of the
2: smoke okay can, can i do this too but, like, I, I want your opinion on this. Like, I, I, I want the smoke for people who think it was Gutis' fault for the second goal.
0: Because I just thought that that was an amazing play by Panarin. They were both amazing plays by Panarin. Well, let, let's let's go goal by goal. Let's, okay. let's say why Ekblad was not at fault. Okay. So, one, Ekblad made a poke-check attempt. Yes. Mm-hmm. He did. And he did not get the puck. So, if you know to the untrained eye and i'm sorry i just have to say it that way <laughs> like oh he poke checked and missed and oh ben look panarin look got at around. mr
2: fucking goalie right here sorry but like, i played the oh, game
0: look. yes this is one of those situations where it's like you haven't played the damn game i'm sorry sometimes you have to pull the card and this is one of them because yes ekblad made a poke check attempt at panarin 99.9 of the time the puck carrier is going to lose the puck but panarin is a top five winger the nhl made an amazing move to keep the puck on his stick and then got a weak backhand attempt off Mm -hmm. that's what happened whether or not the puck ended up in the net that is what ekblad forced did Mm -hmm. he take the puck away from panarin no but that doesn't happen all the time it Mm -hmm. happens some of the time but he took a poke check and and put a fantastic player on his back end with a weak shot attempt while always keeping his chest in front of Panarin's chest. Panarin had no opportunity to take that puck on the back end and go to the forehand for an easy tap in goal. Like the, you want to see the difference. I mean, a little bit different because Duke was ahead of the skater rather than behind him, but look at the Duke goal tonight. The, that, that sec that last goal highlight real goal. Will you allow the puck carrier to get across the ball, prevented that from a top five player in the NHL. He gave up a weak backhand attempt that every single goal, even Hugo from tonight that no one's ever fucking heard of needs to make that safe period. End of discussion. Ekblad did his job. I mean, okay. You want to get you. He didn't, he didn't, you know, connect with his poke check, but he mm-hmm. still did everything needed to make a solid defensive play. Panarin made a better move, but still got off a weak shot. And yeah. Bobby needs to make the save. If I you're mean- blaming Ekblad, you're wrong.
2: I, I think that there's just a pathological need for some people or in some circumstances to avoid blaming goaltending it, because for some reason in, in an NHL team, if they're giving up shots on goal, what do they expect but to let in weak goals? I mean, the, the, the lightning had 42 shots on goal tonight. Are we, are, are we saying that the Panthers had a, a terrible defensive execution because they let 42 shots go in on Spencer Knight. I'm, I'm not saying it. I mean, it's not like they played perfect defensively, but you know, there's bad defense and there's bad goaltending. And sometimes they, you know, coalesce and you have a lot of goals against, but you should be able to call one or the other for what it is. And that was bad goaltending. And I, I mean, Bob played well in the game. Bob was a big part of, winning that game getting the two points giving the rangers zero points by winning in regulation but that was a, was great the rest of the game he that was a that was a bad moment and neither of the other two goals were really on him
0: i i agree with you that you've got certain fan like like look every fan base every fan has players they consider the whipping boy like when something goes wrong they point to that guy i mean for me it was Derek McKenzie. like everyone has that player and, you know, some fans, they think Ekblad's overrated. Some fans think Bob is overrated. And look, some fans think that the, Bob, is Bob is
2: underrated and they want to not talk about anytime time he makes a mistake. You know, that's another part of it.
0: I personally think last night the, the reaction we saw was, all right, it was, it's honestly, it's simply, I don't want to say low intelligence, but low hockey IQ where they see a defenseman make a Bissa poke check. They see an amazing Deke amazing move to keep the possession of the puck from Panarin and they see the puck go in the net and they just assume, Oh, it's the defenseman's fault. He got walked. Cause look, he poke checked and the puck still ended up in the back of the net. And uh, I think that's what where the reaction is. I, I,
2: I like the other explanation that you were starting to go with a little better that it, it, it's confirmation bias in action. And, you know, a lot of just conversations that you have in everyday life, are basically just confirmation bias in action. So this isn't necessarily a novel thing, but you know, we try to be objective. And when we are talking about things in this kind of manner, and I think objectively on that play, it was Bob's fault. Ekblad did enough to prevent a top five winger, maybe a top five player, even in the NHL, when going one-on-one with him to, you know, get away a shot that should never have been a goal. Like that should, it's not even like nine times out of 10, that shouldn't be a goal. 99 times out of 100, it shouldn't be a goal. Maybe even 999 times out of a thousand. Like it's a, it's a terrible goal.
1: Let's
0: actually look it up real quick. What was, what's the, what was the XG according to Moneypuck on that shot? That's I mean, not that, not that XG, especially on single shots is the end all be all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Money puck gave it a 12.2 XG. I find that extremely high. And again, that's kind of the negative. That's where you kind of see the negatives of XG where they're basing off where the shot came from, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, the distance from the net and whatnot. So I I disagree with 12.2. And again, that's one of the flaws with using XG only to evaluate games, but yeah. So enough about that play really quickly on the goodest play. I I find fault with Goodis in the sense that you have to know who's on the ice with you. You have to know like when you're a defenseman and when you're a goalie, you need like, and the opposing, opposing team's best player is on the ice. You must know where they are 100% of the time. Like it, you know, you, your team can have the puck you st- and you're a defensive. You need to know where Panarin is. So when you know Panarin, so Gutis had to know Panarin was behind him. So so if that puck on his stick, it needs to be off of his stick instantaneously, because he is not a puck carrying defenseman. He is a stay at home, decent first pass defenseman. And when you know Artemi, if you don't see Artemi Panarin in front of you, he's behind you. Get rid of the puck, and he didn't do that, and it ended up in the back of the net. So that's where I fault Judas Is it, you know, an egregious error? No, but it's still it's still a play that shouldn't be happening.
2: I guess I can understand that, but like. Above all, it's a, it's a crazy play by Panarin. Yes, it's,
0: that's, that's, those are the things that happen when you're have a top five player in the, at this position or even in the world, depending on your point of view on the ice. And it's, you know, it's the things you, we, you know, we see Barkov make that play all the time. And you, and and you, and when you think about it's like, Oh, how does that other teams let that happen? It's like, well, Barkov is just that damn good. Well, Panarin is just that damn good. Mm -hmm. So you know, yes, it happens. It's like, okay, you kind of just like the first goal, you have to chalk it up to Panera being really fucking good to get that puck on net. And, you know, yes, Bob messed up, but you have to be really fucking good to get that shot on net. You have to be really fucking good to make that poke check gain possession immediately and, you know, make a perfect pass. I mean, the perfect example is Bennett made almost the exact same play. And in the process, I stick the defenseman and ended up in the box. Like you got...
3: (laughs) Yeah, and that's
0: not a shot. It that's not a shot at Bennett. That's simply saying like how high skill you need to be to do a skip, a stick lift, uh, change of direction, pass all in the span of a you know half a second and do it flawlessly. Like that's you know it's the best player in the world making one of the best players in the world making best player in the world plays. Good thing we uh, valued Bob over him.
2: Speaking of Bennett, that made me want to look into. And uh, we do have the word from Brunette that quote: "He woke up this morning and wasn't feeling great." So Bennett missed the game because of a sickness.
0: Wonder what that means. You know,
2: who knows if it was COVID. I'm I'm guessing that he tested negative because otherwise he would have been in COVID protocol.
0: Yeah, they would have put him in protocol. I mean, mate, you know, again, you don't test positive immediately. True, it does take a day or two. So hopefully this isn't the start of another wave with the Panthers because Bennett didn't end up on the protocol the first time. Right.
2: Mm -hmm. I think he did. Who knows? He didn't play against the
0: Kings as far as I remember. I think you're right. Um, Well, that is the nice
2: thing about the wave that is having gone through. And I hate to say that, but these players that just had COVID supposedly are not going to be able to contract it or, It's going to be way more difficult for them to contract it again because they have the natural immunity to the mutated uh, Omicron strain.
0: Yeah, they'll they'll have antibodies for six months or whatever it is. Not that we're doctors. Please do not take this as medical advice. Mm -hmm. Um, Last thing I want to say in the Rangers, game, even though we said last word like 10 minutes ago.
2: Oh, who cares?
0: You know who was invisible in that game last night? Who? A former first overall pick name, uh, Alexi Lafreniere. Did he play? He did. Oh, really? Wow. He I'm was I've noticed that in both games the Panthers played against the Rangers. Lafreniere is invisible. Absolutely invisible.
2: Yeah, man. I I don't really understand it because he was he tore up world juniors. He tore up the Q. I mean it's the Q, it, but he was like two and a half points per game in his draft year.
0: Look, and we were just, all on the, like everything screamed superstar with him. Yep. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't get it. I don't know what's missing there.
2: Oh, well, it, it is always harder to do it against the, the best of the best in the NHL. But, um, you know, until I have any reason to really, really doubt it, I think that he's going to round into form and be a first liner, let's say. I think he'll be a, a good
0: player. I, I, I mean, I don't think it's time. Year two is not time to give up on him, but like, you're you're seeing you're seeing that ceiling just dip lower and lower every game where it's just yeah. like the lights not cut the lights not coming on the lights not coming on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a day it's not over, but the uh, oh yeah this guy's going to make multiple All Star games and challenge for the Rocket Richard. Like I don't I'm not seeing that.
2: Yeah, I mean he was supposed to be like the next Huberto, more of a playmaker. To be fair, but um, yeah, it, okay, well, Art- it really hasn't come Ross- together so far. I mean. The one thing that I would say is Nathan McKinnon was also really struggling when he got into the league, and he obviously turned it around and became one of the best players in the league, so maybe that's what will happen to Lafreniere. I'm certainly not rooting against him
0: no, I mean look i I hate everything in New York, so uh fair enough so i'll I'll root against him, but in the sense that no, i like it's not over for him. I'm just like you don't really see something you see flashes of something where it's like. Hey, you know he's super inconsistent, but you see this moment of brilliance, and it's like, oh, that's the guy who was drafted number one. That's the guy who dominated the World Junior Championship. And it's like, no, you go and you actually look up his goals, and a lot of them are like, you know, picking up trash in front of the net. Mm-hmm. Anton Lundell. I, I, I don't even think it's that hot of a take anymore to say Anton Lundell is a far superior player to uh, Alexi Lafreniere.
2: Maybe not far superior, but at this moment in time, superior by a clear margin i don't Do know you? what's the difference between those two things actually. you have so... access to
0: JFresh, right no oh what's the one you have access to
2: uh i i bought the elite
0: prospects
2: uh the other day oh it doesn't have
0: all right so yeah, we, yeah. We, we so jake... we'll we get Jacob, jake on that but i i wouldn't be surprised because when you include defense it's i'm gonna i'm gonna assume it's no contest well
2: wait if you waited for zone starts but uh the secret that we should talk about because it can kind of be the like the meat in the you know how people say that like you should kind of shroud criticism in between two compliments like lundell's yeah. really turning around his offensive game he he was playing like you said kind of that like functional style that you described lafreniere when he was scoring even if he was scoring it was like tapping in rebounds or you know just doing simple things that every player in the league can do. And that's what Lundell was doing offensively. And that's changed. He's scoring goals in ways that not everybody can score. He's just setting up goals in ways that not everybody can do that. And all that to say that uh, his his defense is actually not as not as good as people say. I would have to I would have to think because the penalty killing stats are the worst on the team in terms of shot attempts against unblocked shot attempts against shots on goal against expected goals against, and goals against so all that to say I, I I think that we're we're getting carried away using the time on ice he's getting on the penalty kill as an evaluation metric that's not anything you should ever do because time on ice doesn't actually mean anything about a player other than the coach is playing them and right. Maybe there's a reason that Lundell being a good penalty killer translates to these bad numbers. I don't know. I haven't really looked into it that intently, but that does suggest to me that the defense is overrated, but the offense has always been underrated for him. I mean, we had Jokey. Um, I forget his Nealine. name. Yeah, I'm sorry that uh, we had this guy on our podcast. He was nice enough to give us his time. And I can't remember his last name, but he, you know, now a Carolina Hurricanes drafts uh, scout. And he was saying, you know, I have no idea why everybody's saying Lundell doesn't have offensive upside, but it doesn't make any sense. It's always been there. I mean, the goals per game pace that he had last year in, in the Liga, the Finnish top uh, men's league, was something that no one was ever doing in their draft plus one year in their 19-year-old season. No one.
0: Yeah, Yoki uh, Nevalainen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, he, his draft plus one year, like it was outstanding. And then it was, it was Prondman we had join us, right? Yeah. Prondman was like, oh yeah, well like he's definitely increased his, you know, offensive value, I, you know? And I said like, well, is he a 50, 60 point player? And he kind of gave me this eh, look and I'm, I mean, I didn't want, you know, he's the expert and I'm the Homer fan. So I kind of let him have it, but I was just like, I don't know. I think he can do it. And I mean, right now, He's on a, you know, 40 plus point pace in his rookie year, playing mostly third line minutes in a defensive role. That to me looks like a guy who could put up 50 plus points if he gets, you know, on the second line.
2: Yeah. Let's, let's just hope he doesn't get used in the defensive zone more than any other player going forward. Cause it's uh, I mean, I guess he's the best face-off guy. So it sort of matters if you want to put a defensive zone guy, but like we always said, face-offs are overrated.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel like we need to amend that just slightly just because I've seen a lot of people talk about it where it's like faceoffs aren't completely overrated in the sense that like hey if you're starting a power play you need to win that face-off. or if you're on the PK you need to win that first faceoff like it's more of power play specialists are overrated where it's like the guy who wins you the faceoff then immediately gets off the ice because that's all he can do that guy is overrated you still want to be winning more face-offs than you're not because you want to start shifts with possession. But, you know, the, you know, what's the guy who was on the, on the, um, on the red wings that the Panthers were. In oh. the
2: uh, and he's currently a Dallas star, but I can't remember his name.
0: Ugh. The face-off yeah. specialist. You yeah, all know the face-off who they are. Yeah. I'll like look it up. We'll call Noel Chari, the Panthers face-off specialist, like that kind of guy. Doesn't have a spot in the NHL anymore. Like he's overrated. He's obsolete. So I, I need to amend my comments on faceoffs. Like yes, they still matter. You want to be winning more often than they're not. But having a spot on your roster for a guy who wins fifty four percent of faceoffs instead of fifty two, but does nothing else at an NHL level, you don't need that guy.
2: Well, I, I would just say that the Panthers have. I haven't actually looked this up because I don't care. Like, that's just my opinion. I don't care. But apparently the Panthers have one of the worst face-off percentages in the league, and they're still the best possession team in the league. Like, yeah. at five-on-five, they are the best possession team. So they figure out how to get the puck, even though they don't win the face-off. And that's why I You're would say it right. doesn't really matter. To me, everybody else can have a different opinion. By the way, Luke
0: Glendening. Luke Glendening, there it is. But yeah, it's just like I said, it's one of those things where like it matters, but when, when your reason for... It, it's to me. It's like the same thing. It's like, oh, you got to have grit on the roster. It's like, well, you need a guy who can win you the key faceoff. And it's like, eh, I'd rather have a guy who's just a good overall player because, like you yeah. said, you can you can have a bad faceoff percentage and still be, you know, one of the best possession teams in the NHL. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Totally. Um,
2: How about uh, some flowers for Anthony Duclair coming back strong with three goals? I mean, he had been back in the lineup, but he's back, back.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's shooting at a completely unsustainable 25%. It's absurd. It's high. But, but it's also like, you know this about Anthony DeClaire. He's an extremely streaky player. And when he's on a heater, he's on a heater. And right now, he's on a heater. So he's going to get his goals. And those goals that weren't dropping for him last year, they're dropping this year. And... All of you who were like, Oh, why are they keeping Duclair? He doesn't put the puck in the net. Blah oh, blah blah. Oh, nobody was saying that. Come there on. There were people saying that. Look, uh, we're back, there were I don't think like, any why?
2: of those are Panther Prix listeners.
0: Probably not. But there were people out there who was like, <laughs> Oh, you know, why why is it, you know, what's the deal with Duclair? Like, you know, he wasn't that good. He's a guy you can trade for something better. And it's like, nah, I'm I'm kind of good. Like, I'm I'm good
2: okay? with I'm good with Anthony Duclair. I, I think he's good. And Carter yeah. Verhage, they're both good.
0: Yeah, for Bill eight. Zito's
2: good. How about that?
0: Bill Zito's damn good. Lucas Carlson looks good again.
2: Oh yeah, I love that kid. I mean, he's not going to be top four, all three zones, reliable kind of guy, but what he's giving them on the third pairing is is really really nice.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's what you need is you need some salary guys or prospects that you call up. And they give you slightly positive, you know, results You know, in, not in everyone... this case.
2: I mean, it's a very sheltered, but like the numbers that he's putting up in terms of ice tilts, they're pretty obscene. It probably can't be true anymore, but you know, when the break happened, he was at a 69.69 expected goals rate, which I think nice. I mentioned on the last podcast, but it's one of my favorite stats of all time. So I'll probably mention it a lot, nice. but you know, um, that's, that's not normal. And it was a, it was a pretty large sample size, pretty high yeah. amount of time on ice to still have an expected goals rate that large. So, I mean, yeah. the Montour Carlson pairing is not just working. It's a revelation.
0: Yeah. So, like, you know, not every not every call up is going to be Anton Lindell, but to get what you're getting out of Lucas Carlson is really nice.
2: Mm-hmm. I have to agree. I mean, it's going to be difficult for Ole Ulevi to get into this lineup. the night was going.
0: solid tonight. Yeah, Spencer Knight was good. Like, I've got no time for Oli Levy. Like, we saw what he was, and yes, I mean, you know, you know, Sam Bennett showed up and was great, and you know, Gustav Forsling showed up and was great, and like, could Oli Levy be the next one of that? It's possible, but like, you're already getting good minutes out of Lucas Carlson. Like, I don't need to see Oli Levy unless like people start getting hurt. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see this rush to put him in the lineup. Like. Mm-hmm. He was awful for one of the worst defensive teams in the NHL. A team desperate for defense did not want him. Mm -hmm. And not to say that Vancouver's, you know, formerly, even their current leadership, I'm not a big Rutherford fan, but like, not that, you know, Jim Benning is like the end all be all of uh, GMs. He's actually one one of the worst in the NHL, if not the worst. But like, you saw him, you saw Oli Levy in the minors and in the NHL just look like a freaking pine, a traffic cone. And you're super excited to get that guy in the lineup. Eh,
2: I get it. I get it. I'm, you know, would just put it into context by saying that, uh, you know, everybody on that team was terrible defensively. He had to play with Tyler Myers. You know, enough said. Yeah, most of his minutes.
0: You know, it, no. Yeah, I'm saying like he he could be better than what he was, mm-hmm. but I just don't see any reason to put him in the lineup. Oh yeah. Who like I would, I
2: would agree with that. Like his absence from the lineup at the time is right now is justified and like should continue until there's an injury or some other cause of an absence that puts uh, him back into the lineup. Carlson's playing too well to say, you know, let's yank him out and see what your levy can do. Everybody else is playing too well for that to happen
0: too. Like yeah, you know, you get another COVID stretch, or where some guys go out, or and mean, it's, it's gonna yeah, happen. Okay. It will happen. Oh, yeah, give Ole Levy a, a shot. Over bringing Kierstead up again, fine with me. But I just, I've got, I've got no strong desire to see Ole Levy suit up for the Panthers. Like if it happens, it happens.
2: On this subject, uh, let's move to the forwards version of this. So I think that it was the first time this season that Vetrano and Tippett. Either one had been scratched. They were both healthy scratch for the game.
0: Well, no, Tippett's not a healthy scratch. Oh, Tippett's in protocol, right? Yeah, you're right. Okay. Correct. Tippett is still, quote-unquote, injured. It's possible he would have been healthy scratched anyway, maybe even likely, considering his play hadn't really, you know, stepped up to where we thought it would be. But, yeah, Vetrana was definitely a healthy scratch yesterday. He got back into the lineup due to the uh, Sam Bennett – illness today and he looked good i mean that's the, the one thing about the panthers right now is there's not there's only one forward you can really point to and saying hey this guy is probably the next to take a seat and i don't think it's someone they were willing to scratch and that's uh,
1: hornquist
2: yeah i mean there's things that hornquist can do that you're gonna want to keep him into the lineup for you know his ability in front of the net but like he he's in the twilight of his career there's no doubt about it and it's it was quite a good career. I think that at the end of the day, or, you know, at the end of it, it's going to be probably not even rated as highly as it should be. He was outstanding for many, many years for the pan- the penguins and yeah. uh, pretty decent for the predators as well. But um, right now, yeah, he's not providing $5.3 million of value. And next year with the cap crunch, it's just impossible for him to keep, stay around i don't care how much paul fenton likes having him around he's he's gotta go well
0: he's clearly one of the emotional leaders of the locker room mm-hmm. and i think that's why and it's kind of the same way you like you didn't see um Yandel scratched like you, it's one of those things that you just can't risk losing the room over mm-hmm. but i mean yeah during the offseason there's no sense for buts hornquist that contract's got to get moved they just don't have the money to keep them
1: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah like But my overall point was, like, who out of the lineup are you taking out? Mm -hmm. It's not anyone in the top six. Like, Mm -hmm. you got Etu Lustarinen playing really well. Really well. Or Lustarinen.
2: Huh? I don't know. i just say he's playing really well.
0: Yeah, no, no. I thought you were correcting me on the name. No,
2: no. I would never. I would never. I mean, I'm going to get it wrong, too.
0: (laughs) I think it's just Etu Lustarnan. Etu's playing really well. Got doing doing his thing of being a pest. Like, who comes out of the lineup?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a tough question to answer. I mean, you don't ever cross your fingers for injuries, but y- you do sort of hope everybody has a chance to get some games in and show what they've got. And uh, you, look,
1: it, it,
2: right now the Panthers are remarkably healthy. In the playoffs, they won't be. Somebody's going to be out. It's just going to happen.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a really nice luxury where you've got a lot of forwards playing well and if one of them starts to sl- you know, slip up a bit, you scratch him for a you know, scratch him for a night. And now that the taxi squads are back, mm-hmm. it's not like you got to send them, send them to Charlotte. Like you can just keep them here and they train with you. And once, you know, and when you're ready to put them back into the lineup, it's a couple quick roster moves and it's done.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know if everybody saw this by the way, but uh, the Panthers did add chase Prisky to the taxi squad. So he would be available in case of a uh, last second, absence by uh one of the defensemen
0: yeah and I I think uh you you know just to talk with the taxi squad you're going to see a lot of similar last year like I I mean I don't know exactly what the plan was for Spencer Knight in the sense that like was it was you know before all this COVID stuff what were they planning to send him down to get some games or did they send him down because they needed roster space who knows what the reason is but he's back with the team now Mm -hmm. uh I don't see Spencer Knight going to the AHL anytime soon just because of all this Omicron stuff like if Bob, you know, if Bob gets COVID Spencer Knight's going to be the one in gold, it's not Eunice Johansson. Like it's just, it's not. They're, they're,
2: they're probably doing the old air force Two, with Spencer Knight.
0: Yep. For sure. Um, but yeah, you, you, like your taxi squad's got to stay strong because you never know who's going to pop positive and you need guys. Like we all saw that, uh, that Kings game where you're playing to 16 skaters and, yeah, you put up a solid effort and Bob let you down a bit, but like you can't play in that NHL with 16 skaters. This isn't your league. It's just not.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. It isn't. Thank God that that shit is over, man. That was embarrassing for the league. Yeah. And now we got uh, NBA. They fixed their situation too with the hardship deals. And we got Mario Chalmers coming back. Chalmers,
0: we're is <laughs> back. If you, ha- if you haven't seen the Dan Levitt or heard the Dan Levitard Mario Chalmers song, you need to. It is amazing.
2: Well, I guess I'll put the link in the description if yeah, I remember. The, do you know the one I'm talking about? No, I, I'm not as dedicated a, a Dan Levitard listener, but I really should be because every time I listen, it's, it's very enjoyable.
0: Um, they friend did a
2: the Roy Bellamy, very good. Yeah, friend
0: of the show, Roy Bellamy. Hopefully, we're hoping to get another member of the Levitard show on with us soon. We'll tease that one. Yeah,
2: yeah, we're going to have a, a dialogue on the show.
0: Going to have a dialogue. A corporate member of the show, uh, but <laughs> but one of the uh, but after Mario Chalmers was traded, and it was right when uh, the Fast and Furious after Paul Walker's death was, they did a remix of the uh, of the song at the end of that Fast and Furious movie. Oh yeah, but dedicated to Mario Chalmers, and it's amazing, absolutely amazing. I'm going to send you the link so you can you can listen to I'll, it. On I'll listen to that and as put soon as we're
2: in. done. But I th- I think that's really all there is to say about the two games that happened. I mean, they they put a nine spot on Tampa. That's not going to happen again. It was, it was interesting. You know, it was fun. doesn't mean a whole lot. And uh, you just move on. We're on to Montreal. And, but uh, like Montreal, they're in a similar spot to Tampa. I mean, to begin with, they're not very good, but they're also missing a bunch of NHL regulars. So there's a chance that that game gets postponed, I guess. But if it doesn't, I mean, the Panthers will be prohibitive favorites. And that's not to say that they're going to win, but. Well, is that game in
0: Montreal or is it? No, here? it's here. Okay. Cause anything, any game in Canada looks like it's going to be postponed for any time in the near future. And let's, I want to touch on that for just half a second. Yeah, let's do it. You can add on if you need to, but if you're upset that the NHL is canceling games in Canada, for strictly monetary purposes, you have to remember this is a business and they, and the NHL is not like the NBA and NFL where they don't really care about attendance anymore. And because they have this huge, massive TV contracts, the TV contracts are better now, but it's still not where, you know, they need gates and they need that gate in Canada. So if the government's going to say, Hey, 50% of your income we're just preventing you from getting it the games are going to get postponed and guess what the players want it postponed too because they want that escrow paid back so the salary cap can go up Mm -hmm. so whether you like it or not the NHL and as much as you know Gary Bettman has blown everything related to COVID he's making the right call here
2: yeah I mean the player's financial interest is heavily tied to the overall financial well-being of the league I get it you know It doesn't feel like it's the wrong decision, but you know, it's irritating to see them postponing these games and not really feeling bad about doing it when they cited, Oh, we've postponed too many games. We can't go to the Olympics. And you know, that whole thing has a bitter taste in my mouth and I get it. They were never going to go to the Olympics. The NHL was never going to let them go. The players were too scared of the quarantine. You know, I think that's all plausible, but At the end of the day, the league didn't let the players go like they put their foot down. They said no. And I mean, you can you can say all the other things that you want to say that made it easier for the players to hear that. But, you know, it's clearly easy enough for them to postpone games if they have a good reason. And thinking about it again, like this is a glorious opportunity for you to market your product to a worldwide audience. You know, the American television audience like at large doesn't care about hockey at all except if it's the Olympics. And if you got American NHL players going up against Canada or Russia or Finland in a big game, people are going to watch
0: and that's going to make waves. I I know I've told the story on here, but the uh, USA versus Canada gold medal game in Vancouver, we, I was driving home from a hockey tournament in college. We stopped at a Buffalo wild wings in like the middle of like Georgia like this, and this is you know, Thrashers have been gone for years already. Like this was not a hockey town.
2: Wait, but this is 2010.
0: Buffalo-
2: yeah, no, so this was like the Thrashers last year or something like that. It's was
0: Thrashers, but it, it's not hockey town. Like uh-huh. this is like we don't give a shit about hockey area. This was Hicksville, USA, and we go into the Buffalo Wild Wings, and it's a ma- it's a massive Buffalo Wild Wings, and it was packed. Everyone, you know, wearing red, white, and blue cheering on every second of this game. Like it was do or die. Like it was in a, a wild atmosphere. And then when the pan- and on the pants, when USA tied it up in the last minute, like that place went nuts. Like they did not care. It felt like, you know, the miracle on ice. And that's, you know, like, oh, it's the, the, the famous phase. It doesn't matter if it's a hockey puck or a, or a waffle puck or something like that. It's like a hockey car or a beach ball is the quote. Mm-hmm. And you don't care you're invested in That's what it was. So yes, this was a huge opportunity And it really sucks. But Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this. If the Olympics really wanted the NHL players, the Olympics, the IOC should have said, hey, host a tournament in the United States. We don't care. Just put it on, you know, we'll call it part of the Olympics. Just follow our rules in the terms of the logo, the branding, host it in the United States in a bubble. That way we can have the big market. But they didn't. Yeah, I they've done it before.
2: The issue here is that it's not the IOC that needs the NHL. It's the NHL that needs the IOC, at least in my opinion. And if you're worried about like, oh, we have financial interests to cover because we lost so much revenue during the pandemic. Like this is a league that's growth has been so stagnant over the course of the last few decades. Like since Gretzky left the league, pretty
0: much the league hasn't grown. Like Like,
2: the only reason that's Batman.
0: Go ahead. That's Batman. That's, that's a huge Batman issue. You're hundred percent right that the league hasn't grown. And it's stagnated while the NBA, like the NBA and the NHL used to be on the same plane. And now it's not even close, mm-hmm. but that's, I, I completely disagree. With you saying that the NHL needs the IOC it's both because the, the IOC just lost their signature team event for the winter Olympics. Like now they've got figure skating and what else? And people love figure skating though.
2: Well, figure people skating is
0: this right. Figure skating is the signature event of the winter Olympics but after figure skating it was the hockey it was hockey now what is it like yeah you know whatever like whatever downhill event usa is going to be good in like that skiing event you'll see half pipe for sean white people will t- tune into but the signature event everyone wanted in the olympics is the is hockey mm-hmm. and now no one cares no one watched the last hockey the last hockey olympics no one cared yeah now i certainly didn't NH- I didn't huh? watch it i didn't care right you didn't watch it you didn't care. Think, now think of the casual fan. You think they're tuning in to watch, you know, random players they've never heard of? No, they're not. They wanted to see Ovechkin. They wanted to see Crosby. They wanted to see Malkin. They wanted to see McDavid. The IOC should have said, hey, you know, you, your players are worried about, you know, a potential five-week quarantine for popping positive in the middle of Omicron hosted in the U.S. It would not be the first time the Olympics has allowed an event to be held in a different country than the host location. They've done it numerous times in the past for events like I think it was um, dressage or something like where there just wasn't an area that it could be held in like South Korea or something. So they held it in a different country, a completely different country, like a different hemisphere, different. And it was like, all right, whatever. You just do what you got to do. They should have done that with hockey.
2: Mm -hmm. I I wanted to make a very stupid joke about how Americans were more interested in, watching the band OAR than Olympic athletes from Russia. Just imagine I made the joke here. It's a very stupid one, but um, I guess I can, you know, reassure myself that all these games would have been at like two to 7. A.M. and in China and the players didn't want to go because of the ridiculous quarantines. And I mean, look, we're not COVID deniers, but I feel like I should say that, Omicron is, you know, still COVID, yes, but it's not as serious as the Delta variant for sure, or the original strain. People that are vaccinated, yeah, they can still spread it, which is why they need to still isolate. And they, I, I don't think that anybody who's positive with COVID, even if it's Omicron, should be playing in an NHL game. But we shouldn't lose our minds about the possibility of guys. Potentially getting Omicron and you know having serious health consequences because there's not a lot of evidence that that'll happen. And I think that China reacting to an Omicron surge by saying that players are going to need a three-week quarantine if they test positive for you know a, a very mild form of COVID, it just strikes me as crazy.
0: Yeah, six months from now, we're all going to kind of look at each other and and again, not a COVID denier either. Like, look, I take COVID very seriously with my immunocompromised life, um, but. Six months from now, we're going to look at how we reacted to Omicron, and just kind of just collectively face palm that we melted down and canceled the World Junior Championships and all this shit. Over, oh, yeah. Let's talk about that too. Friction.
1: But
2: but um, it's
0: just, it's just, it's the same thing. It's overreacting to the the mildest strain we've had, and it's like just bungled every step of the way. Like mm-hmm. the stories we're hearing coming out of the World Junior Championships in Canada, where it's like hey, we have these strict rules in place where if one person pops positive, the whole team's got to shut down. But then you've got teams staying in the same hotel as you know massive weddings where mm-hmm. none of them are wearing masks and you know the people cooking for the wedding are the same people cooking for the players. And it's like, how are you going to have all of these strict rules on these teams and then put them in hotels with the general public? Like, what the hell are you doing?
2: Yeah, and I mean these protocols apparently were set in place last month when did the senators start getting games canceled it must
0: have been in november right yeah the senators were like the first team to have games canceled
2: yeah yeah so but i mean that that should have alerted the i double the double ihf that like oh like covid covid's out there if we have a policy that like one positive means that we got to shut everything down it's got to be a bubble what the heck yeah. And now, you know, Mackie Samaskevich, Justin Sordif, Ty Milanik, you know, and a, a few other minor prospects like Jakob Kos and uh, Kasper Pudio. I mean, you know, we don't mean to diminish those guys, but the, they were later round picks and probably won't be Panthers. But, you know, they they won't get to play in the world juniors.
0: I mean, there is still hope that they're going to you know restart the tournament sometime in the summer. Mm hmm. But you know who you know we'll see how, how that change how they change things and whatnot in terms of who's eligible to play. What's going to be? I'm calling. I'm going to call my shot now. They're going to restart the tournament in the summer, but have the forfeit stand. Wow. It's going to be so IIHF, and you're just going to be like, wait a minute, why? Why is the team USA forfeit to Switzerland stand? IIHF. Yeah. I'm, gonna, sure. I'm calling my shot now.
2: Look. I- If it happens, I'll be happy. Even if they do that, I'll just say, "Look, the I double the double IHF, and I want to say I double HF, like it's IHHF, but no, it's not." It and uh, yeah, look, I I just I like the World Juniors. The the games that uh, I saw were fun. The games that I watched last year were fun. It's a shame that it's not happening. And I mean, it was bungled, like you said. You know, if they were really intent on shutting everything down for a couple of positives, it should have been a bubble.
0: For sure. It's, it is what it is. Um, Bringing it back to the Panthers, any final thoughts on the last two games?
2: No, not really. I mean, I thought they played pretty well, but really it wasn't like a sea change from the last few games that they had lost other than the Ottawa game, which was, you know, just Pandora's box. Not really a whole lot to talk about. I think that that's going to be what we continue to see just, you know, the positive results, not necessarily the dominance uh, if they continue to play the way they have under Brunette, like we we know that all of their predictive numbers under Brunette are extremely strong. They're, they're not really different than before Brunette. And if they continue to play that way, there's no reason to expect anything other than, you know, one of the best records in the league when all is said and done and going into the playoffs where every, anything
0: can happen. right? Yeah, it's really frustrating. They have a, a 71% point percentage and they're second in the division. Yeah. Like, they moved up one spot in the division with these back-to-back wins. It's so annoying. Tampa
2: has been getting some obscene goaltending, and I think that they sort of well, have, they have to the, best the piper in the world. by having Vasilevsky go on, on COVID because he, he was really saving their bacon in an absurd way. But, um, yeah, the, the, uh, Legacy was... was was
0: rough civ i mean just 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 to point put it out there the panthers xg for tonight was 3.97 and Tampa's was 4.12 the panthers put up nine goals on a game where they should have put up around four Mm -hmm. so that's five five extra extra goals
2: yeah this is the flip side of the coin from what we had seen in several other games this season where the panthers like should have won, but the other goalie was just so good. Like this, maybe they should have lost. Maybe they should have won. I mean, everything would be different if he doesn't let in three-week goals early in the second period or whatever it was. But, yeah. Exactly. I think that's all there is to it, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, Panthers, you know, four points in 24 hours is always good. Uh, next game is, what, Saturday? Yep.
2: Uh, one o'clock matinee start against the Canadiens. And I do want to let it be known to people. You might think, oh, the Canadians are in town. This is going to be a terrible game to go to. The tickets are going to be too expensive. I'm going to be surrounded by Quebecois. For whatever reason, it might be because their team's terrible. Doesn't seem like they're flocking down in the same numbers to watch this game. So there's going to be some decent tickets available if you want to go cheer on the boys. You can do that.
0: All right, yeah. Go to the game. I mean, what a one o'clock on New Year's Day. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff on TV in terms of football, and you know, you got the winter. Wait, are they up against the Winter Classic?
2: Winter Classic's at six.
0: Yeah, or okay, I think it's seven so o'clock Eastern. Okay, so they're they're the early game on, on Winter Classic day because I guess that, that must be something new because normally the Winter Classic gets the day to itself. But uh, yeah, they're doing something different this year. I don't know. Hm tnt's decision probably no well no there's a full slate there's a full slate on saturday
2: that's yeah, interesting okay
0: yeah anyway, they, yeah i winter, mean the winter classic is is all alone at seven o'clock but there's three one o'clock games two two o'clock games so yeah there's a six game nhl schedule on saturday but yeah go to the game and then come back in and watch the come back home and watch the winter classic i know it's lost the, support the a nhl
2: bit, but, a league we hate yeah we don't hit but, uh, we don't hit the nhl it's just poorly run all
0: right so this 15 20 minute pod <laughs> turned into an hour long pod because that's just what we do that's just what we
2: do uh, i mean there's just good stuff just kept coming into our brains so we had to spit it out i mean come on are we just going to let this genius go to waste no yes exactly
0: but yeah that's another episode of panther peek make sure you rate us five stars on seat geek since we just uh since we just plugged you going to t- get a game so go get your yeah, tickets go uh, get on seat C- geek uh, C- 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 uh, I'll use code you. panther Pere for nothing and then uh rate us five stars uh but that's it for uh tj peterson i'm alex lopez thank you guys for listening to us and happy new year
3: message and data rates may apply to 203203.